Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. Beautiful words from Jesus today. Beautiful, of course, brings us some questions and thoughts. Work. Work is both a gift and a curse. After the fall, work was transformed from something that brought us closer to God, but something that now, after the fall, now, of course, purified by Jesus, has some struggles. It's not always easy, whether it's homework, schoolwork, athletic work, work work, not always easy. Now, Christ, too, is now adding another kind of supernatural level of work as well, that we're supposed to be working for something that deals with eternity, something beyond us. So if the work we're doing oftentimes right now is pretty difficult, it's to work for something even greater that we can't always tangibly see and taste, that's kind of a struggle at times. So sometimes it's probably pretty helpful to see examples of people that have tried to do this throughout the course of history. Maybe through their example and examples of others and people we can think about, we can try to refocus our mind on what does it mean to truly work and seek the things that lead to eternal life. So one individual was a man. He had a great career, in a sense. He was good friends with the CEO of his company, very good friends. In fact, they'd go out, they'd hang out the time, they'd party together pretty much constantly. They pretty much could do whatever they wanted. Then one day his boss, seeking to kind of increase the size of the company and increase revenues, puts his protege in charge of a company he wanted to acquire, not-for-profit. He thought, this guy will do what I say, We'll take this company into the ground, turn it into something else. But however, once this man got invested into this company, saw the good it was doing, actually tried to change his ways, slowly at first, but to the point where it frustrated his former friend and boss so much that he eventually permanently fired him from the company, ending their friendship. Another example is a young woman. She came from a kind of a large, powerful family, connections to the government. Unfortunately, the family fell on hard times, family had to move multiple times, and finally, after the kind of last exile, they ended up stranded in another smaller, poorer country. Things were kind of tough, but in this country, she managed to fall in love with a, a certain individual who turned out to be the leader of the country, and she had a choice. She could kind of live a life of ease and comfort after suffering so much. Instead, drawing, drawing upon her own experiences, seeing what she experienced, the hardships she had, she started to look at what was happening in the country that she was now in. She saw that the people in this country were poor, not always able to get access to justice, certainly not in the law system at least. So she started to inspire those around her, especially her husband, to maybe rethink about what they should be doing in terms of who they've been called to serve. So these are both very inspiring stories. Well, the first individual, of course, is Tom Brady, quarterback of the New England Patriots. Actually, it's a different TB, St. Thomas Beckett. Thomas Beckett was best friends of King Henry II. They lived a very sensual, party-hardy life. And then the King of England decides to increase his power, so he decides to put his good friend as Archbishop of Canterbury to take land from the church, to steal power. He thought for sure that this person he's known all of his life surely wasn't going to be someone who would be a threat to him at all. And I don't think Thomas Beckett himself initially thought he would be as well. But once he was ordained and consecrated a bishop, something changed, just on a small level. He saw some of the good that the church was trying to do for those sick and suffering in society. 
And over time, just taking small little steps, got the courage enough to recognize that if he was going to do this job, he had to at least try to do it more seriously. And over time, he took it so seriously that he did come into conflict with the king of England. And the king, in return to his best friend, sent knights to kill him during mass. And he died a martyr to the faith. The second is a, a very profound woman, Queen Margaret of Scotland. Her family was exiled multiple times. She actually shipwrecked and ended up in Scotland, where she did actually fall in love with the king of Scotland. But Scotland was very poor at the time. They had nothing, nothing to take care of the poor. They had no even legal system. So Queen Margaret herself, on her own initiative, would hear the cases of the poor, listen to them, try to inspire her husband and others to rethink what they're doing in terms of reaching out to eternity. And over time, she did manage to change the hearts of many, including her husband. They started to set up laws and justices to help those poor and vulnerable. This is what it means to seek eternal life. It means to take seriously what Christ is saying and try to live it out. Yes, some of these examples, they seem, wow, how can we do this? But both these individuals just started simply small, noticing just things about themselves, about their own kind of unhappiness and struggles, and what they could do differently about them. Not even thinking so much about other people. That's that first step. These saints, like most of us, especially here in America, do have our daily bread needs met. That's a wonderful thing. I'm not arguing against that at all. It's good to work. Work is a gift in many ways. But that cannot be the sole focus of everything that we do. That there is a bread that is leading us to eternal life. We can achieve that, especially in this Mass. But how we use that bread, too, is also part of the equation. The Holy Trinity has called us to live great lives of faith, to live heroic lives, but even just simply small steps that we can do. Christ is present here in this altar in a few short moments, present in our tabernacle, present in our adoration chapel. But he's also present in the work that we do for each other, for our family, for our friends. And this is part of what God has called us to do, to see the ways we can live out our lives of faith out there in the world. That's why when I typically conclude Mass, I always say, go and announce the gospel of the Lord. You know, go and take this word seriously to the best of your ability and see what you can do this week to share it with someone in need. Sometimes it's just a family member or friend, but surprising how often there's someone out there that needs to hear the word of God from your lips and mine as well. That's the great gift. Sometimes it just means taking that first simple small step into a greater reality, and that's all we're looking for sometimes. By being here, you're, of course, taking the greatest step, of course, but being here face-to-face -face with God, consuming him, and bringing him out into the world. So this is always the first and kind of last part of our week, so to speak. So this is good. We have to keep, of course, pushing ourselves forward, inspired by the great saints, inspired by our family and friends who have gone before us. That's our hope as well. Christ is the bread of life. He wants to bestow that upon us in this Mass with great generosity and great love. He also wants us to share it with all those as well that we come into contact with. So with great faith, hope, and love this weekend, let's continue to receive Jesus to the best of our ability this day. But in receiving him, have the great courage to be truly transformed in our hearts that we too can go out and announce that great gospel of love and peace to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Amen.